Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors like today, parenting experts and moms around the world. I have a very, very special guest today, New York Times best-selling author Jancy Dunn. She's a frequent contributor to the New York Times, Vogue, O, which is the Oprah magazine, and Parents. She lives in Brooklyn with her husband and daughter, and her brand spanking new book, How to Not Hate Your Husband After Kids, is published by Little Brown and Company. It's described as part memoir of discovery, part parenting and marriage how-to, and part intriguing exploration of science that explains why we behave the way we do. This book is for every woman who has screamed at her husband because he hasn't emptied the diaper genie, which is now the size of a Burmese python, which is to say, it's a book for all of us. And uh, Jancy, I have to agree with that description wholeheartedly. So thank you for writing this book and thanks for coming on Atomic Moms. Oh, it is my pleasure. It's so exciting to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So my first question to you is, as a writer, I imagine that everyone is always asking you about your next project. And so can you fill us in on, like, what was the response you would get from men, you know, in general, and then your husband's friends in particular, when you would say, oh, I'm writing a book called How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids? (laughs) They would, okay, that's a good question. Mostly they would say, oh, my wife needs to read this. (laughs) Or, um, you know, I mean, one one friend of mine said, oh, um, I won't name the wife, but blank and I didn't talk for two years after our twins were born. And I thought, what? You didn't? Like, I I had no idea at the time. They seemed fine to me. But then again, to me, I don't know about you, but everyone seems fine to me. You go on Instagram, you know, and new baby, you know, hashtag so blessed. And and everybody seems (laughs) like they're together, except except me is kind of how I felt. But they mostly... um, you know, they get a little wary and um, squinty and defensive, which I understand. Mm -hmm. And I think they think that it's just going to be this, you know, takedown of my husband. Right. And I'm I'm, I'm bracing myself. I I just, I know that I'm going to get knocked about that by, by men who haven't read the book when it's, it, I really, I wrote it um, because I didn't want to be mad at the guy all the time. And he's a good guy, you know? Yeah. He's, he Tom seems me. pretty. He seems pretty dreamy. Yeah, he, he's he's a lovely guy. I mean, you know, I liked him enough to have him impregnate me, right? And 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 <laughs> and he just he was just clueless, kind of. And so, you know, depends on the guy. But but right. some are a little like, what's up with that? And um and and one dad at pickup said, um, wow, that's really obnoxious. And oh. um, I know I need like a good kind of snappy line back, but I don't really have one yet. I need one, don't I? Well, like, well but you're really good at snappy comebacks and everyone needs to read this book because you're so funny and then also read all your other essays uh, and your other books. Uh, but I will you. say that when uh, – I, I always feel very special when I get the galley copies uh, coming to my house. It makes me feel like I have an important job. I like free things. And your book was on – our stairs before, because everything, I just dump everything on the stairs, <laughs> which um, we can talk about. I like you already. Later yes. in the book, uh, you talk about organization uh, issues. Uh, so I had the book on the stairs ready to go up 
uh, for bedtime reading, and my husband saw it. And I thought, you know, this the cover of the book is so poppy and cute, and, like, this is a theme that comes up again and again on Atomic Moms. And uh, I was surprised that my husband, who is a comedy screenwriter – uh, was taken aback. He got defensive about it. Um, he did. He got defensive. And it was a funny moment because uh, we're in a really good place. And he's been on the podcast a bunch of times. So all our listeners like know all of our drama. Uh, oh, yeah. But he got defensive. And I was like, well, this isn't about you. And this is this is about relationships. And uh, a lot of people have these issues. A ton of mothers do. And it's important to talk about. And then, mm-hmm. of course... Um, because I hadn't read your book yet and, uh, you know, wasn't fully utilizing all of my uh, skill, my interpersonal skills yet, I said, well, you know, you can get self-righteous about this and I can get self-righteous about all the sexism in sitcoms because <laughs> he writes for <laughs> sitcoms. <laughs> and, I was like, right. and then I read your book and I was like, oh, maybe I could have like done some mirroring and done some better listening um, because <laughs> – when you read the book, uh, you give all these tips from all these crazy experts. Um, this is about how to be more loving, how to be more grounded in your relationship, how to sustain it with all of the craziness that comes our way, and also how to be a better parent. So he's going to get a schooling when he comes home tonight. <laughs> but I mean, I, t- I take his point because you see the word hate, which, you know, I mean, there was some debate, you know, about that word because it does give you the wrong impression. And also, you know, I really, you know, you can sort of get trapped in this kind of complaining mode. And I realized I was doing it on the playground. Like I, I write kind of frantically during the day from nine to three when my seven-year-old daughter is at school. And then afterwards I go to the playground and I'm just a mom. And um, not just a mom. I didn't mean merely a mom. No, I be meant, careful. You know, no, don't worry. Atomic Moms listeners are amazing and they're not, there's no, uh, I know. no sanctimomies. And going back to, you know, that you had gotten an early galley of the book, everyone was like, we have to get Ellie. I mean, you are, you are a priority. So oh, that's what um, I to say. Just keep saying so, it again and again. I really need help. <laughs> me too. Me too. Don't we all? And so, you know, I I had fallen into this trap where I had complained about my husband, Tom, and it became this sort of self-reinforcing thing where every time he screwed up, it kind of reinforced that, oh, he isn't helping me. And I was beginning to get blinded to all the great stuff that he does. He's a great dad. He's a great husband in so many ways. And so I kind of, you know, I was I, I did write it to sort of say like, okay, well, what are we going to do about it? Because you can go your you can go your whole life and complain about the guy, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to do in a light way, right? But I I I I heard a lot of frustration. So what, what do you? What was the most common irritant shared among the new mothers on the playground regarding their partners? It was um, a kind of a lack of awareness that the women needed help. I mean, you know, a classic thing, and this still sometimes happens is I'll I'll be an octopus in the kitchen doing 50 things. I'll be cooking dinner and checking the kids' homework and emptying the dishwasher and, you know, and and arranging FaceTime with Nana, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and Tom will get up, weave between me sort of go around me and reach into the fridge and get some wine, pour himself a glass, 
get himself a little bowl of nuts, you know, maybe some corn chips, and then head back to where he was and sit down on the couch. And, you know, that's what I heard time and time again. And I, I really do think it's when you're around women a lot, they really instinctively help you all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't, it, isn't it so lovely, like, when a woman who's a stranger helps you? Like, I've had women sort of, like, pick up my kid's jacket when she was a toddler and, and put it back on her when I'm struggling with a bunch of bags or, mm-hmm. you know, people just, and, and moms, I, I wrote about it in the book. I remember my daughter, Sylvie, was running towards me once. She had bloodied her knee on the playground. Moms are all talking about something. One gets out a Band-Aid. The other gets out a lollipop. Mm-hmm. The other has a Kleenex for Sylvie. Like, and they're still talking. Like somehow they're, it's like this hand-eye coordination mm-hmm. where they're not even, and, and so I got used to that. And that's what I heard over and over is like, he just doesn't see that I need help. I mean, another classic one, my father does this too. And now I've married my dad. It's, that's kind of, seems icky, but no, I have as well. Right. Like the good, by the way, your husband and my dad need to go on these crazy cycling trips together because my dad always does the stage of the tour de France. No, he does. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. And then in this July, when we're having our baby, my dad keeps telling my husband, who also cycles, because you uh, listeners, you know, get the book and you can know what we're talking about, um, that (laughs) because your husband is a big cyclist. And so my my dad is trying to convince my husband to go to Italy to go cycling uh, three weeks before my due date. I'm like, no, no. no." But anyway, so you married your father. Go on. Um, but then we have to come back to your husband's cycling. We'll get to that. Okay, right. Um, does he shave his legs? Like uh-huh. Does? Oh, yeah. Right. Does he use your razor? Uh, no. I use okay. his. I have very low standards. This is why my marriage works. He doesn't okay. expect me to cook. Um, I use his disposable razors. Like, <laughs> Maybe that's the secret to a happy marriage, I right? think it really is. I think low standards um, on the part of the husband. That's why that's when we got in our fight about the title of your book. I was like, honey, we all know that you should be the one doing this interview with Jancy. Like, we get it. <laughs> I'm going to stop sidetracking myself. Okay. You married your, your father. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> see, I was, I was getting caught up in what you were saying. I know, okay, me too. My father would, my father jingles. He's a key jingler. And oh. so, 45 minutes into whatever we're doing, he's by the door jingling the keys. And now, Tom, my husband is a key jingler as well. And oh no, I mean, again, I a classic scenario is like getting our child out the door in the morning to go to school and I'm a hurricane and I'm packing her lunch and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And Tom is by the door jingling the keys and saying, you know, why wasn't this done earlier? Instead of need a hand, that golden phrase, need a hand, what can I do? Or just jumping in. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I've said to him and what um, is a, is a phrase that you know, a lot of my mom friends are yearning for is I've got this. Even if they're BSing and they haven't got it, just jump in and say, I, I've got this and, and do what needs to be done. So that was it. But again, my, um, my problem was that I was ascribing this sort of, um, you know, this motive to Tom that didn't really exist. Like, wow, I'm really taking advantage of my wife. Ha ha. You know, and it wasn't, He's not like that. He's a nice guy. He just wasn't thinking. They're oblivious and, sometimes, yeah. and they're not aware of the big changes. And they might not be aware that we're not as unhappy as we might be. <laughs> like, they might think yeah. that we want to be doing these things that we don't want to be doing. And I have to give you um, 
a, a virtual hug slash high five because I just took my daughter to Texas and for five days by myself, and she's a very spirited three and a half year old. Um, I'm slightly scared of her, and uh, we made the mistake of catching a late flight back to Los Angeles. And because I was reading your book. I did myself the favor of calling him the second we were in the car from I said, honey, you have 45 minutes to center yourself because I'm just going to walk in that door and go straight into the shower. And that's what happened. And it was great. But I was able to ask for what I needed, which was I'm going to pass her on to you and I'm going to take a moment and then uh, and then I'll I'll be awesome again. I promise. But then so you walked in the door. He reached out his arms and took your daughter. And yeah, you know. See, that, that's very hot. And that's I very stood hot. in the shower by, oh my with God. my big pregnant belly, and I was like, "Oh, I made it!" And guess what? The hottest what? thing on earth. Uh, he had gone to the grocery store. <gasps> no, are you kidding me? Yeah, he provisioned. He provisioned the household before you got home. Yeah, after working all weekend on this uh, pilot TV show that he created that he's shooting. Yeah, he's the best ever. I don't know. This is why I go to therapy to be like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. (laughs) I kind of understand what you're talking about because, wow. Yeah. He was, uh, how how is he the way that he is? Like, I mean. I think it's his parents. Okay. I think also maybe because I'm kind of demanding. And so I, I can't do the passive aggressive thing. I mean, my parents' marriage was totally messed up. Um, and that's why this is also a very important book. But uh, so it's we got to stay on track because these mothers are listening to me being like, why are you bragging about your husband? We were learning about how not to hate ours. It, but I mean, it's very, you know, you you keep you you are actually circling back because the fact that you aren't passive aggressive, which is my was my specialty. I mean, it really was like thinking he could read my mind and fuming and like banging pots and pans around when I was making dinner. Mm-hmm. I like to cook. I, I am. a I like to cook. You know, that, that's how you and I are different. And yeah. But how did you manage to um, – so you say that you were kind of clear throughout. Like, did you have any sit-downs before your daughter was born? Of, no. Did you – you know, like, how did, you, how did you achieve clarity that way? Or is it just like a personality thing with the two of you? I think it's a personality thing. I mean, we were engaged at three months. And so we never had a chance to have, like, these big blowout fights before we got engaged. And okay. he was always very clear about – you know, how much he loved me. So there were never any games at the beginning, which I think really helped. And now we'll have been married for 10 years. And I think we did have some fights after Sabrina was born. The biggest piece of advice that I can give to -to soon-to-be dads is if the wife is breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. that is not time off for her. Because what would happen on, you know, and Adam will listen to this and he'll be mad at me for sharing it, but you know, if I'm nursing for 45 minutes and then I come downstairs and then he hops off the couch to be like, oh, great. Now we can do this rest of the stuff that needs to be done with the house, which, by the way, yes, awesome that he was helping. But I was angry that he spent 45 minutes doing something fun when he could have just done that, you know, could have finished up everything in the 45 minutes. Like that's my biggest right. piece of advice is dads just know the mom does not consider herself off the clock. If she's nursing, even if she's looking at her phone, she's still nursing. She doesn't want to be, you know, even if she does want to be doing it, she's still like tallying that as mom time. Totally. That's very good advice. Yes. But you were clear. That's that's good, you know, that you because that was that was my problem over and over. And I, I look back and I can't believe that 
you know, he really, I, I really expected him to read my mind. And mm-hmm. I would go from, and this I do hear a lot, is like, I would go from zero to 60. So I, I wasn't really being clear about what I wanted. I would just go straight to, I'm doing everything around here, you know, and, right. and like yelling instead of just telling him precisely what I need. And we never had a sit down about um, divvying up household chores. Like I, I really did think because we, we had been together for 10 years before we, or eight, nine years before I had Sylvie. And I just thought everything would evolve organically. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we never fought, we really didn't. And that's, that sounds annoying, but, and I thought, oh, well, this is going to evolve organically, but like, we really had to start from scratch when the baby came along because we never had a single conversation about money or do we like our time, our timeouts are a thing or like who's going to get up with the baby or, or any of that. So it was all about decorating the baby's room. I cannot even tell you the hours we put in talking about like, you know, chicks or bunnies on the right. crib sheets, but, but cause that's the fun stuff. But we didn't talk about anything else who would stay home with the baby when, you know, she got sick or, any of it. And right. I just, I can't believe how naive I was. You know, you have to talk. And now we even, this is so unsexy, but we have, we have meetings every Saturday because I, I've interviewed, you know, we did all these couples counselors mm-hmm. and time management experts, neuroscientists, um, evolutionary biologists, but, you know, experts would say like clarity, 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 uh, you know, because the fights arise when there's ambiguity when you when you don't know what your role is or when you do the classic thing of who deserves to sleep in more who deserves to have a saturday morning more you know and you just everything yeah. should be as organized as possible as unsexy as that is no you know? you're, you, i'm getting a little nervous now like i should probably let my husband sleep in a little more <laughs> we're gonna do this interview and i'm gonna feel great and then in like five years i'm gonna do an atomic moms episode where i'm like so adam finally had his meltdown <laughs> Because right now there's a pile. I mean, it's clean clothes, but there's a pile of his clothes on his side of the bed to put away when he's done with his very important job. Uh, I, I'm really glad that it's 2017 because um, I just wouldn't have cut it in earlier generations. <laughs> I would have been the crazy aunt in Paris. You know, like I would have been right. single for sure. <laughs> but I mean, like, so, but it is divvied up your... Your yes. household chores, right? Yes. I mean, and there's things that he prefers to do, like you say in your in the book. Right. I do notice that my things fall back. I have to fall back a little bit because I'm pregnant and I'm tired and I can't be as ambitious as I'd like to be um, right. because I know that I end up super stressed out. And so he spends all of his time working um, when he's not with Sabrina, like he's totally let friendships go. Um, I also appreciate that you talk about that in your book that, you know, men find that their, you know, their partner and then their child are most important. Whereas like women were like, Ooh, how many people can we fit in our inner circle? Um, yeah, how about that? Wasn't that, wasn't that interesting yeah. to read about? Like, yeah, I get but- it. Cause man, this morning I was like, Adam, Jancy's husband is also a cyclist and I think we'd all be really good friends. And and he's like he said I don't have friends. <laughs> I don't have friends. Did he? What was his tone of voice when he said it? Was it like matter of fact, or was it mournful, or it was like um, I'm really really busy working really really hard um, mm-hmm. and doing my part for this family. Right. 
Well, cycle. Okay, so does he do? So he does long distance cycling, presumably, because Tom mm-hmm. took it up pretty much when the baby came out of me. First of all, that would make me so angry, and that feels so much like my father. Like I don't know how my stepmom raised three children because, like, my dad would just be gone. I mean, he also went to Mount Everest base camp. So he's crazy pants. So she would have to like do everything. So I don't know how uh, with in Brooklyn, especially like how you keep that safe. My big excuse in Los Angeles is like, honey, you're not going to get hit by a car. You are not allowed to ride your bike here. Mm -hmm. Right. I know when you think about like life insurance, don't you? And all this stuff like I I go real dark. I mean, he's got a very big policy because it's it's (laughs) dangerous, you know, it's very dangerous. He he goes upstate to this um, town called Piermont, but it's about a six-hour um, ride, and you can't text him. He's on the bike, no. right? No, He's not yeah, he stop. Adam would not be allowed to do that right now. Yeah, but also <laughs> uh, all these husbands that golf all day on Saturday yes. or Sunday, and I'm like, what is that? Bye bye day. Forget That's the it. Whole, no, and you know I have friends that. They feel the stay-at-home moms. I mean, I have so many friends who are stay-at-home moms. And then their husbands would say, like, I've been working all week. I need the weekend to recharge. Like, you have to do everything. And I would say to them, like, but, you know, even union rules, you get a half-hour break. I mean, you can't, like, if, 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 they, if the women don't get a break ever, then they're working seven days a week. It is work. And some of it is so mindless. Like, I just want to you know, really yeah. press that point. Like so it is, can be so boring. Right. I mean, it's, I know it's lovely and wonderful, but like I can remember, especially um, when my daughter was what, like six months. And I would think like, Oh my God, it's been one fifteen for like six hours. Like <laughs> the clock is not moving. Uh-huh. Isn't it bizarre? What, what was so far? I know um, Sabrina's three and a half, but like what's been, what, what, what's been the hardest age? Because I was thinking You're about so that. Funny. I feel like my Adam's mother is interviewing me right now. Like this uh-huh. is what she oh, does. I'd never get anything out of her in real life. Uh-huh. And it's all <laughs> questions back at me. Sorry, what was your question? Oh, the, the hardest so far um, stretch of time. Most challenging, I guess. Because um, for me, it was definitely newborn. It was newborn for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. It's just too hard. Well, it was newborn for me also because... Uh, my husband was working on a show and uh, called Undateable. And it was really fun. And he was gone all the time and his hours were crazy. And he'd come home at two in the morning, but he would do the night feed, which was so sweet. Because he'd come home oh. at two in the morning, he'd do the night feed, and then he'd get like four hours of sleep and he'd go back to work. That was the hardest. It's really hard. But we talk all the time. And I f- here's the trick. Ready? Yes. And I think you're going to totally agree with me on this one. So doing this podcast for two years and subconsciously all of that work has totally been infused in my marriage. And then when I was reading your book and, you know, I'm laughing about how you interview an FBI hostage negotiator (laughs) about like how to communicate with your husband and get what you want. And I kept thinking, like, this is so relevant for our children, right? And so that's the trick. Like, when moms, you read this book, which you will, you're going to get all of these great tools for your partnership, but then also you can totally use them on your children because it's about, you know, mirroring. It's about listening. It's about empathizing. And it's about uh, being clear and direct. 
right? So it's all these same skills. So I just took it from the stuff I was reading about kids and applied it to my marriage. And you're, you know, you're doing the marriage thing and then we can apply it to our kids. That's an interesting point. You absolutely can. And and listening is a skill, isn't it? I mean, you know, what'd you say? Very, I'm, I mean, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And you know, I, I did you say I stepped right into it? I, I was being all earnest. I was like gearing up for my big earnest speech. Sorry, go for it. This guy, um, you know, this FBI negotiator and he, I mean, he, I got the idea. I was, I was at the gym. I do the same thing. You're, you're very fit. I do the same thing every day, which is the elliptical, which is ridiculous. Why you need to switch it up. I know this. I write about fitness for Vogue magazine, right? I, I should know this. So I, I see this hostage crisis unfold on TV oh, and I was momentarily, you know, annoyed that I wasn't watching Dr. Phil, uh, yeah. which I time, you know, uh, this is another thing. If, if you're, if you're on the elliptical and you can read a book with your reading glasses on, are you going too slow? I already yes. know the answer. I already <laughs> know the answer, right? Like you should, you should be sweating so much that your reading glasses slip down your face. Mm-hmm. Number one, number two, maybe not reading a book. Maybe you should like, right. But that's I'm why you watch that. Dr. Phil, because then that can get your heart rate up when people are like yelling and stuff, which, by the way, listeners, listen <laughs> to our episode with Robin McGraw, Dr. Phil's wife. She's amazing. Um, but I agree. And j- just I've been doing the elliptical because I'm pregnant, but just get on the Stairmaster. Just do that for 20 minutes and you're done. 20 minutes. OK. And what what at what power do you do the 20 oh, minutes? I mean, I mean, try to get your heart rate up to 150. Okay. All right. For 20 minutes and then I can get off and then I'm done? I think so. Then just do some lightweights and you're done. Okay. All right. I know. It's time. It's time. So I think like, okay. And I watched at this bank that the hostage negotiators came in and they calmed this guy who was waving a gun down, you know, in minutes and everything was fine. He surrendered the gun. Crisis over. And I thought, you know, I just got mad at my husband about something. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, maybe this could work because I would just blow a gasket. Um, I can tell you there was um, there was one instance, if there's one instance that made me think, okay, I have to get a hold of my temper. And that is where I am at fault. Like I, I would just get so angry at him. Mm-hmm. And I know it's also hormones and lack of sleep. And there's, there's so many things that make you crabby. And I have the world's shortest views because um, I get, I get, hallucinatory when I don't get sleep. Me too. I mean, it's really, right? Like, yeah. like I need it very no. much. And, and I sob like seven times a day. Yes. Uh, listeners, get excited. Like starting August of this year, start listening to the podcast like religiously because I will be a basket case. A yeah. lot to cry in. Oh God. <laughs> right? What's your actual due date in July? Is July it? 27th, the day before our 10-year wedding anniversary. Oh boy. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, what what really set me off and we had a terrible fight that convinced me that I needed to do something. And it was that I was interviewing, I write for a lot of women's magazines. I was interviewing Jennifer Hudson. We're in an apartment in Brooklyn. We're in a converted church. There's an upstairs. And I said to Tom, my husband, look, I have 45 minutes with Jennifer. Just hang out with Sylvie and I'm going to go upstairs, hook up my little tape recorder and do my thing. Okay. And even because I'm controlling, I had a a game set up for them, a little snack tray. I yeah, mean, I mean, you got to. You know, yeah. You're the so mom, go, right? Blah. Mom, yeah, hey, you got to do it. Take care of business. So I head upstairs. I'm talking to Jennifer. I'm doing the thing. You don't do this, I noticed, but I like guffaw like a hyena at 
and even a mild joke like oh my god that's the funniest thing ever like i'm just like going way overboard and so she's but she's legitimately funny and a lovely person so we're talking away about weight watchers and she's saying banana pudding's the devil and i'm laughing you know hysterically i hate hearing my voice on these things afterwards and oh me too and then i have to edit them oh boy anyway uh, it's it's just and so then my daughter comes upstairs while I'm talking to the Grammy and Academy Award winner, right? And says, boo, boo. And she has to boo. And I said, go, daddy, sounds good. Go to daddy. Go to daddy. Boo, boo. Well, in the meantime, I'm going, banana pudding is the devil. Yuck, 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 you know, doing my thing. And I said, Ellie, do you know what I actually did? I'm looking around in a panic. And I see some copy paper because our home office is upstairs. And I'm thinking, okay, what if I put some copy paper down? <laughs> I just have my kid like take a crap on the coffee on the copy paper. Right. What you can't leave the that, conversation. Right? I hear you there. One time I put really fast. One time I was at a park and I didn't want it. This is even worse. And she was saying poo, poo. And I picked her up. And there was no one else at the park. And I, I'll probably get arrested for this. Stood her on top of the trash can, pulled down her pants, and made her squat. And she pooped in the trash can. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just saying I hear you. And I think that the paper thing is a, is a you know, that would have been resourceful. I was, you know, I was near my landline. So I was like reaching over so I could get one piece of copy paper. I'm thinking, do I wipe her with the cut? Co- Ouch. <sighs> wipe her with the copy yeah. paper. But okay. You know, paper cuts. So then I'm taking it yeah, right in a very tender area. So then I'm taking, I actually took my shoe and I threw it downstairs. Like, mm-hmm. what is he doing? What is he doing? I'm banging on the floor. You know, when you do that, mm-hmm. finally, I said to Jennifer, can you, can you hold on for just a sec? I couldn't explain what was going on. Even she could probably hear like, boop, right, boop. Right. <laughs> it's coming out. My kids said, you know, the dreaded words, it's coming out. Mm-hmm. I ran downstairs <laughs> because only I can wipe her. This is another thing. But oh I God. ran downstairs with the child. And as I'm running to the toilet, like running as fast as I can, I see that Tom, his face is bathed by the glow of his phone and he's so playing angry. computer chess oh, yeah. with some dude from the Philippines. He had taken up computer chess also when I had the kid. And he did the thing where he arranged his face into like an important expression, like, you know, like the boss is caught is, is emailing him or something. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, that's hilarious too. Oh my God. And I also, uh, listeners, you got to read this thing because the way you describe your husband's voice is like an action figure, like having like five, just like moat phrases. (laughs) Oh, you really did. Re- I'm so you you read that book thoroughly, even with your drowsiness of being. I know, months. even though I was traveling with a you. maniac. Um, I have never traveled with a three year old alone on a plane. I can borrow you. her anytime. So I I would have gone crazy, and it, and it also gives me hives because it makes me think of that recent BBC interview, right, with the dad. Yes, and people were oh. being so judgmental about how he was kind of like shooing the children away. And yes. and it, the funny thing again, my husband, the angel, was like, "I why didn't he acknowledge her? Or just like have her sit on the lap?" And I was like, "I would have, <laughs> if I was being interviewed for on some serious topic for the BBC, <laughs> like I don't know what I would have done, but I assure you, it probably would have been like uh, more aggressive than just sort of ignoring the children right. until my husband came in the room and like whisked them away." <laughs> Like a thousand people 
forwarded me that because they they knew about stories like Mm -hmm. you know the jennifer hudson one i have been there it is i was sweat sweat was pooling in my bra it was really bad and the other huge thing about that is being an interviewer on the podcast like the the flow is so important and so when you have to stop and you're like and not just because it's a celebrity, but if anyone is like getting comfortable and you've got a rapport to be like, oh, I'm going to take a moment so my daughter can go take a crap and then I'm going to come right. back and try to like restart this engine. Like that's really difficult. Where were we? Yeah, I know. It's just like, uh, and, you know, so so one of the FBI negotiators um, points, he said the most important one, you know, they practice something called active listening. And I realized that that's what was missing in the dynamic between me and Tom mm-hmm. is that. I forced him to paraphrase what I said because, you know, there's this really common pattern. Um, you know, John Gottman talks about it, the famous couples therapist, of that women often, I mean, not always, of course, but often get more and more upset because they want to be heard and the men shut them down. Um, it's called stonewalling. And that was our classic pattern. Like I would get more and more, you know, I would get a little loud. And I would, because I, I would feel like, don't you hear me? And what he was doing was stonewalling me. He was either ignoring me, looking at his phone, kind of like just grunting a little bit. And and of course he could hear me because I was yelling at the time. Um, but that was our bad pattern. And the, the negotiator said, just paraphrase what she says. Then you have to listen when you paraphrase. You can't BS. Like you, you have to, you can't make it up. Mm-hmm. And so- when Tom would paraphrase like, OK, so you're upset that you didn't know you don't I don't know the name of our child's pediatrician. And I would say, yes, I yes. It takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. You no. Know? Uh, and so that, that helped a lot. That helped a lot. And mirroring where he would, you know, repeat a little bit of what I said and and even tracking, just saying, yep, go on. I hear you. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was totally novel for us. It sounds like I'm saying really obvious things, but like they just weren't obvious to us. I don't know. No, and and to try to loop this back to your elliptical moment with Dr. Phil, you know, you ended up seeing uh, Dr. Phil of the East Coast, as you describe him, Terry Real, who's a a couples – so you went to this very expensive and very involved couples therapy session. And uh, he basically calls you out for being verbally abusive. And not basically. He does. He calls you out. Um, Oh, yes. My hair blew back. He really – he yelled at us. And it's this guy (laughs) – you know, I write, I write for um, Oprah magazine. So everyone, you know, at Oprah knows about Terry Real, And he's this guy in Boston. People fly in from all over the country. People who have a decent amount of money because he's not cheap. He's $800 an hour. And we had a five-hour session. Let's do the math of what had to come out of my book advance, right? But I thought, like, okay, let's, let, let me do this so that readers who can't afford him can yeah. get something from him, you know? Like, I'll do, I'll take the hit. So we went and it's and, great because you're like, I'm doing it for work. Yeah. <laughs> and as I feel like parenting. I'm figuring out parenting and it's for the podcast. So it's for work. <laughs> like that's right off, you know, and, and I, you know, I, we had never gone to a marriage therapist and I, I, I didn't realize how helpful it could be. We had mm-hmm. one harrowing day with him and I thought, how could one day be effective? I mean, we also went to marriage counseling after that, but he, you know, there's something very, um, kind of bracing and sort of exciting about like just dumping out your worst behavior in front of a a third party and having them tell you like what you're doing wrong. Like there's, I don't know if I'm masochistic, but like 
we got right down to it. And he was saying, you're, you're verbally abusive. You call your husband names because my husband doesn't call me names. He crumples up. He just folds when I call him names. I don't do it anymore. Mostly because Terry real yelled at me. Don't you love it? Terry real. Like that's his real name. It's so insane. Totally insane. First he said to my husband, this is the 21st century. You get the hell off the couch, help her out. Who do you think you are? Things should be 50-50. This is not the 50s. You know, y- y- you have to help her out. She's she's going crazy. And then I thought, oh, I kind of like this couple <laughs> therapy. You know, why didn't I go before? But then the finger that was pointing at Tom headed over to me and I thought, oh, and he said, you're verbally abusive and it stops today. And I said, no, 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 I'm venting. He said, no, 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 you're not venting. That's verbal abuse. Look it up. And guess what? It's damaging your daughter. Like if you mm-hmm. think that she doesn't, you know, absorb that, you're wrong. She does. It's collateral damage and it stops today. And I'm telling you that it stopped today. I was, he shamed us. And um, also we don't want to go back there and pay that kind of money again, but like <laughs> it was really great. By the way, it, way cheaper the- than divorce though. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. Lawyer fees. Right. And, you know, I really I really didn't realize that our I mean, this is so naive of me, but that our fighting was damaging our kid. I mean, there's there's these statistics that infants as young as six months will react to the angry voices of their parents. You know, mm-hmm. these researchers observe um, observe measured brain waves and the infants would stress out. And I can remember Tom and I would even fight over the head of our toddler while we were all watching Curious George, which I find very, very soothing. I love the piano music and stuff. Mm. And I feel like Curious George, he's totally out of control, that monkey. I don't know. He gives me anxiety. He he might need some ADHD (laughs) medication, actually. But But I hear you with the music. The music was nice, right? It wasn't that, you know, frantic feeling that some of those cartoons get. But we would fight over her head. The worst. Well, I know there's some that raise your own cortisol levels, right? Yeah, and you're like, yeah. why am I doing this? What? But but you'd fight over her head. Yeah, you'd fight over her head. What? And so what did Terry, I want to share with our listeners the mantra he gave you. And and I should also say that because you were asking me earlier about fighting with Adam, I am so hypersensitive about fighting in front of Sabrina. And I think when children are- Are you? Yeah. Okay. And, and when children are older- I think it's great that they can see the conflict resolution. When I am annoyed with him in front of her, I'll be honest about my feelings and I'll try to stay on topic. Right. Um, Because I was raised in sort of – I have to be careful because my mom doesn't listen to the podcast, but she has her friends listen to the podcast. Right. Okay. (laughs) Let's say what we can say. Right. Of course. She – I feel like I kind of grew up in the Wild West uh, in terms of relationship skills. And there was a lot of – let's just say arguments didn't stay on topic and right. there was a lot of um as in, I, I could have been in that infant study how about that we'll just okay. we'll just stay there right. so right. i am so hypersensitive to it um and so what cuz a lot of mothers are so tired and they're like well i love my child all day long and this is between me and my husband, and my child's not really paying attention. But you don't know. Like, you think your kid's watching Curious George, and they're probably absorbing all your toxicity. So give us the tool that Terry gave you, because it was it, it kind of shook me up a little bit. Oh, I can cry thinking about it now. So he was saying, you know, 
you have to control your temper. And, and, you know, he had said to me, like, you know, you have to think of your child's perspective. You're yelling at her father. You're not just yelling at your husband. You're yelling at her father, you know, and, and they start to take sides at around age six, which is when, um, I was writing the book and she was siding with Tom because I was the one losing my temper. And to her, even though if he would do something wrong, I would yell. She processed it as that I was a, a jerk and he was being oppressed, you know, and, and that's what she saw. And, and you don't want to, first of all, you don't want to involve your kid too much in your arguments anyway. But anyway, he said, you're verbally abusive. And the next time you lose your temper, I want you to take a picture of your daughter, run into the bedroom and shut the door and say to that picture. And he said, are you ready? I said, yeah. I want you to say, I know that what I'm about to do is going to cause you harm. But right now, my anger is more important to me than you are. And I was like, oh, oh God, it, it was devastating for me. And I thought exactly right. Like this is this. Is, and, and, and after that, when I would about when I was about to blow my top, I actually did. I had a picture. I did what he said and I put it in my bedside table and I would run and look at it and say that to the picture. And let me tell you, it stopped me cold. It was a, a really interesting exercise for me, as was another child psychologist said to me, um, hey, uh, just a question. Have you ever asked your child what she thinks about your fighting? This was another thing that hadn't occurred to me. Like, why don't I just ask her like, hey, you know, I mean, I'm just amazed at how clueless I was. So I went in and asked her one day, like, like, honestly, like, wake up. I went in and said, hey, honey, um, you know, hey, can we talk for a sec? You know, when you go into their room mm -hmm. and and I said, you know, what do you think when daddy and I fight? And she at first she gave a jokey answer, which was, you know, oh, I think it's kind of funny because daddy looks like grumpy cat um, when you fight. But then she said, um, I get worried when you two aren't talking to each other and I don't know why. And again, I was like, what? because of course, you know, I didn't think that she was even paying attention. I thought she was in there, you know, coloring in her coloring books. But of course, we're in a small apartment in Brooklyn. She was absorbing everything. And so my impetus for doing this book, this is how child centric I am. I thought like, oh, I'm ruining my kid. Like, I don't want her to, you know, be on Terry Reel's couch years from now. <laughs> you know, and, and and instead, I, like it was just pathetic that my that my marriage was crumbling was it kind of a distant second in my mind. Like, you know, she's seven and in 11 years we'll be together again. And why was I neglecting this guy? You know, and why was I not seeing the good things that he he did? He's, he, he does a lot of wonderful things. And I was I had tunnel vision where I was, you know, like I said before, like, oh, yeah, he's not helping me. In. And that would reinforce and reinforce instead of seeing what a good person he was. So that was a bit of a wake up call also. Wow. Was that a long answer, Ellie? Are that's you still great, there? That's good why it's a podcast. That's the best yeah. part about long form interviews. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it's very helpful. And for listeners that are like, oh my God, I don't want to hear about what we do wrong all the time. I want to, I wanted to lay in on my husband. That's what I thought this book was about. <laughs> you know, when you read it, there are so many tips and for the husband and also, you know, 
things that you can tease him with. Like, for example, you write, a Cornell study found that couples with young kids who split housework more evenly reported better and more frequent sex than when the women took on most of the chores. And you go on to say that children benefit too in surprising ways. Research has shown that when men share housework and childcare, their kids do better in school and are less likely to see a child psychiatrist or be put on behavioral medication. So I think it's totally fine to start out um, if you need to make a big change, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to make the child the priority. It's hard when you're angry at your husband and the mother has these patterns that also she's picked up from her own mother and her mother. You know, what were the expectations when we were growing up and what what my therapist is always saying, like, like why do you care so much about what other people think? And mm-hmm. and we end up putting that on our spouse. Because we right think we that. need to have the dinner ready. He might not care at all. It's so hard to get away from how you were raised, right? And, and you know, our, our parents were a different generation. I mean, things were changing with our parents, and it was certainly different from their parents. But, like, still, you know, I, I was raised by a stay-at-home mom. They had very clear roles, and you can't get away from how you were raised. And you're right. Mm-hmm. You're, like, you're bringing stuff to the table that may be a priority for you, and you may think, oh, this is the way a family is. But you're right. It's totally different from your husband. And it's also interesting about... Like, if your kid is the motivator, that's not a bad thing. You're right. Like, I've said to Tom, and this has been very effective, you know, I've talked to this, you know, these child psychologists at Yale, and they were saying, you know, you're modeling the behavior that your child is, your, for, your child is forming expectations of what their mate is going to be like when you're older. So you can say anything you want, you know, because I was saying to Tom, like, there's all this girls rule rhetoric that we throw at her. You know, mm-hmm. you can be president someday. And, you know, I'm very careful when I'm, I don't critique my body in front of her. You know, we, we've read the same books, right? About like, you know, you, you stand in the mirror and you say, I'm so glad I'm strong and healthy. Like I really do say stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. and I ignore the spider veins and all that. And, but, and then you write he, for Vogue about fillers, but anyway. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. We okay. got to get to that too. And, um, yeah. And she, she definitely, um, you know, your, your, your deeds are more important than your words. And that's what they see what you do. And I would mm-hmm. say to Tom, like, if you're going to not help me and sit on the couch and play computer chess, our child is internalizing that and forming her own expectation. And do you want her to end up with some dude who's on the couch and doesn't help her? Well, that was his motivation. He would, he would say like, oh, no, no. You know, so so that did work and it did improve our marriage. And the impetus was our kid. He doesn't want her to end up with a with a bum, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, no bums <laughs> allowed. And I yeah, and no. I, I completely agree. And I think that's really helpful advice. If they can see the long term effects on their children when they behave this way, it might motivate them to make different choices. Um, yes. And like, even my, you know, when I take time out to like, just go out for half an hour and have a walk, I've said to Tom, you know, she needs to see that, w- you know, a mom's time is valuable too. And that her personal time is, is good for her and makes her happy. Like, you know, it's what That's she so sees, huge. right. Instead of like that, you're expected to give and give and give and give and never replenish and never do anything for yourself. So. Yeah. No, the, the self-care stuff, um, is so big to model for them. So we're running out of time, but I definitely have to hit up two more quick things. One is maternal gatekeeping. 
-hmm. because we need to own this big time. So can you explain to our listeners what maternal gatekeeping is? And uh, please tell them to knock it off if they're doing it. Okay. So that is the process by which women can either open up a gate to encourage fatherly participation or clang the gate shut and make a father feel incompetent by uh, criticizing what he does. Or, I mean, it's either like leaving him out. I've done that where I've been like texting with some moms about something going on at school and Tom will say, oh, what are y'all texting about? And I'll say, oh, nothing. You wouldn't be interested. That's leaving him out, you know? And, and, and also like if he's dressing your child and you say like, stripes and plaids, you know, or if he's feeding her or him dinner and you say, um, where's the vegetable? Like, hello, you know, or even rolling your eyes. Um, that's maternal gatekeeping. That's where you're saying to him, like, I do it better. Why should you even bother? And if a father is hesitant, particularly in those early months when nobody knows what they're doing, that can really put him off, intimidate him, make him feel ill-prepared. And, and it becomes, a, a, again, a self-reinforcing thing where he doesn't want to get in there. And so I had to be really careful when I started monitoring all the time that I was doing maternal gatekeeping, it, it was a lot. I mean, you know, what's interesting is that um, a lot of my friends CC their husband, even if they work all day and you never see them on everything email related with their kids, like play date plans or school trip plans. And I thought, well, that's kind of great. I mean, I don't, I don't even do that. And I, you know, fashion myself as enlightened after I wrote the book, like, why wouldn't you see, see him on everything? You know, it's kind of like, well, in, encourage him, invite him in. Don't humiliate him. Don't, don't, don't get across that, you know, better. And, um, that really helped me because I realized I was doing it all the time, even with the eye rolling, like, and part of that's like control issues, you know, I mean, in some cases, I really I really could change a diaper more skillfully. Mm-hmm. There was no fecal matter when I was done with that diaper. I mean, you could, you know, perform surgery after. I, I'm very uh, germophobic. And he did not do perhaps as well of a job, but like, it was still fine. It was still fine. She rarely, rarely got diaper infections. So, right. it, you know, so that is something to be really mindful of. And it certainly changed things for me when I was mindful of that. Did I just yeah. repeat myself? No, no. The patience thing is so huge because, by the way, we have to practice it with our children anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So we might as well start with the infants uh, because, uh, you know, our partners might not be home much. And so when they are, you know, you've changed 50 diapers already, you know, they don't mm-hmm. have the experience. And so we, like give them the space and the time to do it. Also step away and let them do it because no one wants to feel like they've got someone breathing down their neck. Oh, absolutely. Um, With, lastly, is that a word? Um, You also enlisted. Was that a one word? Was it with lastly as one word or (laughs) with and then lastly? Uh, Did I say with? Maybe I'll just edit out with and then I'll sound coherent. Uh, Lastly, you (laughs) enlist, uh, lastly on this podcast, um, you enlisted a professional organizer and a consultant for the Fortune 500 companies, Julie, Julie Morgan Stern. And um, you also talk in the book about sex and you talk about money. And um, but my favorite part was about organizing uh, because we're in the process of doing a big purge at our house. And you got a label maker, didn't you? Oh, God. 
Yeah. You're so crazy. <laughs> um, no, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited so about my label. Cool to be on the show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So oh, the major. most important, I think, because this is something that I uh, am trying to do in my own life, uh, and I'm always preaching about it, is like being cool with saying no. And that, and this was the best part. You don't have to give a reason why. And we're not talking oh. about with our children, but just like in life with your friends, with your colleagues. Uh, if you've got a third Each birthday day. party that day, just say no. You can just say no, and you don't have to give the reason. Um, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I'm sorry, I can't make it. You know, the end. Stop yourself from giving a reason, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you don't have to say we have swim lessons. We can't, you know, if, if there's a birthday party, like, oh, Jason has swim lessons. Don't even say that because the, the mom might be offended that you're picking swim lessons over mm-hmm. the birthday party. Just, I'm so sorry, we can't make it. That is very difficult to just let it sit there. But that was life changing. Have oh, you been doing that. it? I have. I have. And there's kind of that thing where they kind of look at you like, uh-huh, but then you just move on. You talk about <laughs> something else. You let that uncomfortable moment hang there for a second. But that's been good because where I got into trouble is babbling excuses, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Totally. And if they don't have kids, they really don't get it anyway. Yeah. And saying yes to every birthday party. And, you know, if my kid doesn't know the other kid, we don't have to go. But then I was always haunted by, are you haunted by like, what if the everything. child is waiting at the bounce? You're haunted by everything. That's, that's fantastic. That's, what if the child is like at the bouncy house and no other children show up? So I felt compelled to go right. to every single birthday party. You know, you don't. What if yeah. there's a child with like the party hat on and nobody's there? Here's a question, Jancy. Did, did you ever have a birthday like that? Oh, wow. was there ever a moment in your life where you felt like people didn't show up for you? You know, um, I remember, no, but I, it might have been projection. It, it might have been projecting on my own um, part. I, when my child had a third birthday party, there were a lot of no, there were a lot of um, missing RSVPs. Like people just didn't bother responding. And I was doing that thing where I was like, mm. I saw that they read the invite. You can see that they read it, you know, mm-hmm. on invite. Like, why didn't they respond? And I remember that really stuck with me for some reason. Like it really brings up all kinds of weird stuff when people, parents won't respond to your kid's birthday party. Maybe it was like thinking like of, of my own child, like alone. And she was three. She didn't care, you know, but yeah, no. Why did that happen to you? No, my dad once dropped me off at a birthday party that had, he got the time wrong. So it had just ended and everyone was leaving when I showed up, which was humiliating. Oh no, carrying your gift oh it was humiliating i mean because and then i have to remember like you know in second and third grade like everything like that is just so huge yeah i can i it's like i was there yeah that's but so yeah so every time it's our own stuff and you know we try we work it out but that's why your book is so much fun and that's why i love it and i'm so excited that i got to talk to you because you have sort of made your life's mission delving into like how can you better your life and your your relationship and how can you um figure it out i mean i love nothing obviously i love nothing more than talking to experts and other people who have ideas about like you know the how-tos and the hacks for uh just being a little less insane yes exactly exactly you just want peace you know and happiness so yeah (laughs) It's helped. I don't know. I said to Tom, like, don't you want peace and quiet? That's all he wants. And I said, you know, let's let's try this and then you'll have peace and quiet. And in fact, now we have peace and quiet. It's really 
things are much um, happier now. So everyone get the book. Uh, <laughs> it just came out. Uh, so you'll be very special. And if you have like a touchy husband, get it the Kindle version so he doesn't see the cover. But then I think it's better to get it with the cover so that you can start a dialogue. Uh, and so you can find her new book, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Having Kids, you know, everywhere, um, but also on AtomicMoms.com. And uh, if you appreciated some of these subjects today, check out my interview with the Atlantic series. Uh, the, they were called the Ambition Interviews with co-authors Elizabeth Wallace and uh, Hannah Schenk, who are also in New York. And we piggybacked sort of on this theme of, um, you know, just all the ways that we try and juggle work and home life. See, I'm trying to like tie listeners into like, if you like this one, listen to another one. I've never done that before. That's good. No, that's good. That's good. Hmm. You know, no, I like that. I appreciate that. But more importantly, listen to next week's episode. Uh, Go to iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms to subscribe and reach out to us on social media. Uh, What's your social media handles? Come on, let's let's get you some more Uh, followers. Yeah, my website is jancydunn.net. Calm was taken by some Tokyo cosmetics company. And then I'm Jancy Dawn on Twitter and, um, you know, I have Instagram and, you know, like that. Actually, I've been really, really having fun, uh, you know, talking to other Atomic Mamas on social media. So hit us up. Hit up our Facebook page. Until next week, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Mm -hmm.